It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in. We are continuing our study of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. That's right. This is a very special study that we've been in. Actually, this is part five in our series, believe it or not. And you may be dismayed by that because maybe this is the first time you're tuning in. I want you to be encouraged. Every broadcast, we try to leave you with details and understanding that's very applicable in the here and now. But if you'd like to go back and listen to the prior broadcast, you can certainly do that at calvaryfountain.com. And there, there's a drop down to video and audio discussions on this topic and more. We can provide you with sermon notes, books on this material. That way you're equipped. We want to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So again, we are thrilled that you are tuning in today as we study about the millennium. And this is a wonderful, just an examination of what's on the horizon, because we do believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon. And we've talked about that a great deal, how many years and months or what that might look like. We dare not put a date Uh, But it does feel like it's getting closer. Uh, Certainly, as you look to the headlines today, as you feel a pulse of things, the birth pangs of the coming of our Lord Jesus, it is upon us, it seems. And that means that we have a lot to talk about, especially today, as we examine how things transpire during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, in which the believers in the here and now are given responsibilities during Jesus's his entire reign in this thousand-year period of time, a 1,000-year Sabbath. It's also very fitting that as we're recording this, as we're sharing this message with you, it is the Feast of Tabernacles. And for 3,400 years, this feast has been observed around the world, especially by Orthodox Jews, and they have continued to celebrate, though not all of them, but many, even in Jerusalem today, as they look for the Messiah. Now, we understand it twofold. One, it was a celebration, observance of the duration of time that Israel was taken across the wilderness. That journey, that 40-year journey to the promised land, it was to celebrate, to recognize God taking them from bondage to the promised land. Secondly, we also understand that to be a looking forward to the reign of Jesus Christ. So important is this feast that it's observed in Zechariah chapter 14 throughout the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ. In fact, as many will come to worship him there in Jerusalem as he reigns from his massive temple that is over 562,000 square feet in a 56-square-mile district of priests that come and worship Jesus and serve him from there, water flowing from his throne and replenishing the Dead Sea and new life through that region. And yes, all of the nations then see Jesus gloriously worshiping him on his throne, seeing him face to face. We are to go and worship Jesus throughout throughout this thousand-year period. So Zechariah 14 says this is a very special time Indeed. Now, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we're no longer under the law. So we don't have to bring those sacrifices to Jerusalem, but we certainly can acknowledge 
that this is a time in which we should be looking for the return of Jesus, expecting to be then ready as the bride of Christ for his return at any moment, especially as we're caught up in the air with him. If you believe in the rapture as we do, as we look at the dispensations of Scripture and look for that glorious return of our King, we must be ready. So as we study about the millennial reign of Christ, this is something that there's just so many details we want to take you through, through the book of Isaiah and Ezekiel and the book of Revelation, to prepare us for such a time. And to help me do that, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. It's just so great to be here during the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, as yeah. you as you were talking about in future shows, as we go on, we will be discussing the Millennial Temple that is That's mentioned right. in Ezekiel. And one day we know that there will no there will not be a tabernacle, there will not be a temple, because God will dwell with man, man will dwell with God in the new in the eternal kingdom, the new heaven, new earth. That's right, amen. So we have so much to look forward to. And our Heavenly Father is so great in his provision. I like how the Gospel of John, John says that Jesus came and tabernacled with us. That's right. Uh, and, and that is just amazing. And we get to experience those blessings to this day. So this is going to be really great. And as you mentioned, I would just encourage anyone who's listening, if you're just plugging in now, if this is your, your first time listening into this series, go back, listen to the prior episodes. And there's, there is so much great truth there that I just wouldn't want you to miss out on that. So That's right. That's right. And we've been studying about the transfiguration of Jesus on Sundays. And if you're looking for a service to just really get plugged in with other believers, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sunday, we are worshiping the Lord at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. And as we've studied about the transfiguration of Jesus, when you look at the chronology of it, that also happened during the same time. So if you've ever read the story of Matthew 17, it is a documented account of what took place there on that holy mountaintop when Jesus was transfigured before them and they got to see the unveiled glory of God just pour out of Jesus and Elijah and Moses are there bearing witness that this is the, the deity, this is the Son of God there before them and that happened during that same week. And we can also look back, I know back in December we talked a little bit about this, that we know from what records seem to tell us here that December 25th was not the birth date of Jesus, right. though we do that traditionally. Most likely, he was also born during or around the Feast of Tabernacles. So during this wonderful week, we can now look, go back and read Matthew 17 about the transfiguration of Jesus that occurred during this exact same time. Think about perhaps then the incarnate birth of Jesus Christ at this same time. And here we are talking about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, which it all symbolized and pointed to in the first place at the same time. So this is a wonderful study indeed. Yeah, those are great points. I, I think it, it really behooves us to, to remember, especially those of us who have, have been in the church our entire lives, mm. that these are not stories. These are real people. This happened to right. real people. The, the creator of the universe took on flesh and became part of his creation and manifested himself to these people. And they're telling us what they witnessed, what they experienced. So sometimes I think we need to go a little bit deeper and how would it have felt to be one of the disciples there at the transfiguration? Can you imagine what they would have felt, the thoughts that they would have had, the feelings that they would have mm. had? And, just, and to realize these were real people just like us. These are real experiences. They are not stories. These things actually happen. So I think sometimes if we can just internalize that not only have these things happen, we have our own experience now, but as we're speaking about with this series, we have all these things to come that are promised experiences that will happen, that we will experience, right. that we will take part of. 
They are guaranteed as part of our hope, as part of the Holy Spirit being the deposit in us. We know we have these things to look forward to. We will experience them. Amen. Amen. Well, we well, let's pick up where we left off last week. We uh, talked a little bit about uh, just what happens with mortals, with immortals, uh, because there are still people left on the earth right. uh, when Jesus Christ comes back. We certainly know the Battle of Armageddon takes place. Jesus is victorious. Uh, the beasts, the Antichrist, are taken down. Satan is bound up for those thousand years. And then we have the situational assessment here of we've got still some mortal believers on or unbelievers on the earth, and those who have been caught up in the air with Christ, those who are going to the wedding feast with the Lamb, return with him in glorious fashion, caught up in his glory, sort of like in the train of his glory, on horses. We've been made pure and clean, undefiled now with the king, and he comes back to the Mount of Olives. He takes his throne. We've looked at some of these things, and now it's really time, I think, to examine once again then the situational assessment of what takes place next. Right, I mean, that, that's sometimes the, the image that we lose sight of, of. We've got basically a paragraph in the book of Revelation, which causes us to have to look to the other prophetic texts to understand a little bit closer of what's going on. And I think before we get too caught into the detail, because we do want to spend some time with what Isaiah says about the millennial reign right, of Christ, definitely. especially what Ezekiel says, right. a great deal in yeah. the book of Ezekiel. Uh, and, and we've had some fun things to capture that most people probably hadn't considered right. during that thousand-year reign before the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem come down. Before that even happens, we have these believers who are tasked with assignments, with great works to do for Jesus Christ. And I think that, as we were talking before the show, it's it's a burden on our hearts that we seem to lose sight of what all of this is really about, that we have an assignment to do when he has challenged us, when we go to Isaiah 58, when we look to James chapter 1 all the way through chapter 5, and we see that we cannot just be hearers of his word, but we must be doers. And there's this expectation that is we're almost like in boot camp. We are learning every Sunday throughout the week, but it must be more than just information. It has to be transformational ingredients that cause us to live out our faith in the everydayness of life where we become light bulbs, little lamps right. of the Lord. I mean, the lampstands right. that represented the church, right. right? We're to be light bearers, and right. that means that it's in opposition to darkness. Therefore, what we say, what we do needs to align with the one who is light, and we reflect his glory in this world. We serve as we're supposed to serve. Isaiah 58, I brought that one up because, you know, there's a, a, what is true fasting? What is true service? What are the things that the Lord looks for? James talks about as we serve faithfully in the everydayness of life, these are important truths that seem to be a, a little lackadaisical for us. We become a little apathetic with it. Yeah. Those are, you know, those are so important because I think we really do have this sort of watered down Christianity, I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but if you just spend a little time and you go back and you read the words of Jesus, right. read your red letters, wow, you know, what Jesus says and what he promises and what the expectations are and, and how high the bar is, it's, it's, really, it's really incredible. The type of life that I think so many of us, including myself, guilty of living and the type of life that we should be living empowered by the Holy Spirit, many times are two different things. That's right. Our flesh should be inconvenienced by our faith. Right. Right, because we think about the path of least resistance and right. almost everything that we do, it's about our leisure. 
right. our entertainment, our comfort. As we work, we're perhaps even thinking about our vacation or something else that is gratifying to the flesh when really our life needs to model self-sacrifice, right. selfless service. Yeah. Right? That seems to be lacking in, in what that means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to take up the cross and follow him. Right. That's not the life of least resistance. That's right. the narrow road that is wrought with difficulty. Yeah, we don't see many followers of Jesus Christ, you know, after the resurrection that his followers go out. We don't see too many followers that go out without pushback. Mm-hmm. So obviously, and, and you and I have talked about this, it's, it's, it's kind of a gauge, a sort of a measure. It's like, I'm not really getting pushback from the culture. How much is huh. my light really shining? How much of a difference am I really making? Am I really impacting things? If I'm not getting pushback anywhere... I really have to, you know, that's a check for me to where, where is my walk with the Lord and how closely am I walking and am I, am I, is it Christ living his life in me or is it me just living my life in me? Yeah. It's a, it's a call to radical living. It definitely um, is. Not one that says a rebellious living, but one that goes totally against what my flesh may deem is the path. That's exactly right. Uh, because the flesh will choose the wide road Amen. that is, that is often an easy road yep. that is filled with accolades and the applause of men. Uh, the narrow road is for an audience of one, That's and right. it's a thankless work, quite frankly. Um, and and it means that uh, you know you have put a self, put yourself aside for His glorious purposes. Let's let's look at it a little closer in the brief time. Time flies uh, as we get into these discussions. We I think we need about an hour and a half. Right, Doctor. I think I so I too. Think that would more be time great. on these. Um, hey, let me take us to Revelation chapter 20, verse 6 for a moment. It's a great promise for Christians. We talked a little bit about it last week, but he says, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. If we really pondered that, that's an overwhelming and awesome Thought. We, I think we, we abdicate that to somebody else. There's probably a, a misunderstanding from most believers as they attend church on a Sunday that that is all there is, that I'm saved and I'm hearing all about Jesus. That must be it. Right. Where when you see something like this in the other text that we'll talk about here in a moment, there is clearly a, a press to move us down a course that conforms us to the image of the sun, where there is a daily service to help the least of these, to minister to those all around us with the truth that's in us, uh, not for anything that we're to gain, although there is great reward, and we'll talk about that in a moment, or as time allows, uh, we may have to do a two-parter on this, but it's, it's for a glorious purpose where not only we're conformed to the image of the sun, but prepared for a 1,000-year job assignment almost like our Christian boot camp in the here and now for a a job that is so much bigger than we can imagine. And when you finally realize that, I think that our our labors will start to align with what we say we believe. Our works will align. There there are several events that take place uh, prior to, during, and after the millennial reign of Christ. And Matthew 25 gives us some of the order of that, which is fantastic. If you look to Matthew 25, 1 to 3, you see the wedding feast of the Lamb. That's also recorded in Revelation 19, 6 to 10. Afterward, we see that Jesus will examine our work. So if we look at the chronology in that, you've got the wedding feast of the Lamb, Matthew 25, 1 to 3. 
Then you have this examination of the works of the faithful servants of Jesus Christ in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. And then we read those wonderful words in verse 23 of Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So here we have a very clear uh, assignment that has been given. You were faithful what I gave you with those 80 years in your flesh or whatever that duration of time is. Maybe it's 100, probably no more than 120. Right. <laughs> God won't right. contend with us much <laughs> after that. I don't know too many unless they're drinking glacier water that seem to make, make it past 120. Whatever those limited years are that we have in this flesh, there is something to be commended in the faithful service where he says, now I will make you ruler over many things. Again, there's mortals still on the earth, immortals with mortals. So the judgment of believers is often called the Bema Seat of Christ. And that's according to 2 Corinthians 5.10. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, this is not the great white throne judgment. This is a lot like when Moses would evaluate the people, make decisions for the people, delegate responsibilities as Jethro had advised him to do to find the the abled leaders right. uh, within those uh, tribes of Israel, and they were delegated responsibilities. Jesus Christ does that for us as well. So at this judgment, Christians, this is Christians, they receive degrees of awards, rewards for their works and service to God. That is mentioned throughout the New Testament. I mean, you go to Matthew, Luke, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Revelation, even 2 Timothy 2.5. I mean, this is over and over again, a repeated concept. And the vision there, the visual of that Bema seat is something that Paul, who would reference the Olympic Games from time to time, where you have a judge that's presiding over the games. So there's athletes on the field. There's no question whether they're athletes. If they've made it that far, they have skills, they have honed those skills, they're able to compete using those skills, and now this judge presides to see how well they competed. So this is not an issue of whether they're Christians or not. This is how faithful they were with their allegiance to Jesus Christ. Were they content with fire insurance, or were they motivated to serve their king every day with all that was in them? If they were given the talent, did they use that talent? to God's glorious purposes. So this is where he determines how the runners have run and what position they came in. We get this imagery of 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And then everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He uses that imagery, this competitive environment, not that we're in competition with one another, but that we should strive to bring glory to our King in the here and now. Even in Philippians 3.14, he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And Dr. Ford, we've talked about that, of why is that necessary? (laughs) Why do this? I mean, if after all, if we've already received eternal life, we're all the imagery of this illustration of the athletes on the field, 
then what does what difference does it make? I mean, I mean, if we're all getting into heaven now, right? Um, you could see that the Lord seems to have not seem He wants all to come to the saving knowledge of truth in Jesus Christ, and we get to share in that joy of living out our faith, preaching by even what we don't say right. of, of Jesus Christ to our neighbors and our family and friends, and not being ashamed of Jesus Christ before men on our social media platforms, in our personal life right. with our, our spouse, right. our coworkers, oh, everywhere, yeah. that we're not ashamed of Jesus Christ, and we yeah. live that out, and there's joy in this. I mean, certainly yes. the Lord could send angels to go and give all the, give the evangelistic message all around the world. We see that in the book of Revelation, like right. an eagle, an angel soars over and declares to the people this message of repentance. Yeah. He could do all the work himself, but we get to be part of the greatest story, the greatest journey in all of eternity in which we have this this battle of of light versus darkness good versus evil and we get to be part of this where we get to sit around the campfires of heaven forever and tell the glorious <laughs> stories of look what god did I mean, what testimony god's yeah. yeah yeah of what he has done in and through our lives and we get to share in that and lives being saved yeah and none of us are equipped or call or capable in our own flesh to do That's any good. of it All right that's right, exactly so we right. get to be conduits of God's glorious work in this world, and right. and then we're so content with mediocrity in our prayer life, with with lackluster service to Him, as if all we did was sign a dotted line with our insurance agent, and then we moved on to go appease the flesh once again, and then we're missing it, and yeah. and therefore we're missing, I believe, then the the greatest joy that the Lord has to reward. The faithful servant. So again, we're, we're going to run out of time on this, but I think that what we we need to cover this probably a little bit more detail to understand as we look next week to this subject matter once again of all that He wants to bestow on us. I mean, the first three chapters of the Book of Revelation cover many of the blessings to the overcomers. I mean, the challenges he gave to each of those churches that they had forgotten their first love. Right. They had lost their moorings. They'd start to look like the world again. And, and the Lord, you know, coming against them with condemnation for their disobedience, but commendation for the things they were doing right. And and I know that for us, sometimes we need that little reprimand, right. a little discipline from the father to get <laughs> us back right. on track. He disciplines like a, those who he loves. Exactly. Yeah. A father with a wayward child right. that needs a little correction to get us back on course. And maybe that's the conviction that needs to come through this radio program this week and next, is to get us out of this apathetic complacency when this is real. People are dying every day and going to hell. And we perhaps had an opportunity to do something about that. Uh, we we should have been more faithful. We m- should have been eager to go help the widow, the the imprisoned, yeah. the poor. God gave us these individuals of need to exemplify His nature and characteristics and service to them. It's for our own good to be able to bless them because it honors the Father. Yeah. And we're missing so much of that. And I know, Dr. Ford, you and I, I know you're very passionate about this as well. I definitely. About how can we get people off the sideline? into a faithful running the race unto God's glorious purposes. Yeah. And, and so we've got a lot to cover on this because there's 59 verses <laughs> about how the Lord will reward his faithful servants. Yeah. Okay, so we're not going to probably be able to cover it all next week, but there is something about obtaining this better resurrection. He wants his people motivated. When they read the book of Hebrews, there was an inclination to go back to the old way. That's right. 
as opposed to embracing that Christ is enough. I have been set free from the burden and shackles, not only of sin, but also of the law that defines sin. And what am I going to do with this newfound freedom? Am I going to use it as a license for sin? Oh, no, may it never be. Rather, may I now use it in faithful service to the king. And so, Dr. Ford, I don't know if you have any final comments in our last minute together. But yeah, <laughs> no, I think you're exactly right. We've, you know, we've been born again. Well, for what purpose? You know, we've been born again to glorify God. And I just think he has so much for us. We would just be amazed. And we're, we're just willing to settle for this lackluster relationship with him. And even, you know, you do not have because you do not ask. I think that we'd be amazed if we started to understand the blessings that God has for us. And he wants to bless us. It's amazing, too, the, the multidimensional nature of God, that he wants to bless us in this life by the way that we live and, and being in relationship with him. But not only that, he wants to bless us in the next life right. with everything that we do here in relationship with him. It's just so amazing that, that once again, the multidimensional nature of God, that he just wants to bless us, bless us, bless us here in the future and for eternity. Yeah, I know. Amen. Amen. Well, that is an encouraging final thought. We'll pick up on it again next week because I think it's important for us to keep our eyes on the prize. That's right. It should motivate us in the here and now. And it's such a serious mission that we're engaged in. So I hope you've been blessed by this this radio program. This is Engage in Truth. It is a program of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.